Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Once again, this is the podcast where we share and discuss the very, very best in video game music. Once again, my name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And this is a little bit of a bittersweet occasion, because this is uh, the last episode that Carl and I are going to be recording together Together. in the same room Mm -hmm. for... Uh, probably a little while. Yeah, because Will's heading back tomorrow to college. He just is, you know, finishing up his winter break. We've had a great time being able to record in the same room like we used to do. And work on music and all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. But, Will, you know, the show must go on via Skype, as we've, you know, been doing for for a long time, actually. Right, yeah. Will went to school in August, so ever since then, we've been pretty much doing it via Skype until early December. So Yeah, and there are some nice things about that. Uh, I think since we both record our own audio, it actually sounds a little bit cleaner, cleaner. probably, because you don't have any of the audio bleed. But, mm-hmm. there, it, I mean, it is really fun to record these shows with you, and we've been doing yeah. them for so long. You know, I don't think we even talked about uh, that... I don't know when this episode's going to air, but we're getting very close to our... Um, three-year anniversary of doing the show which means that we're Mm. almost we're pretty soon going to be moving into our fourth year of doing the super mercado brothers podcast Mm -hmm. which i think that's pretty notable yeah if anyone's confused about when we ever talk about seasons on the show what we do is we break up our quote seasons based on every 25 episodes so the first 25 episodes we recorded which was maybe from like february to june or something that was what we called season one right uh, so there's yeah, not, divide, it's not one a, a year. It's similar to, you know, like a TV show, you know, 24, 25 episodes a season. We just thought it was a nice little way yeah. of segregating it. Um, but let's talk about today's episode. I'm really excited because today the topic is final levels. If you guys remember uh, a couple years ago, we did final bosses and that was a really epic episode. One of the most intense episodes we've had this one. We're going to have some epic music. Absolutely. But it's going to be interesting to see the difference between final boss music and final level. Well, Cause music. I feel like um, final level music is like, there is this kind of big dramatic there's sense a finality to it, to it, but there's a little bit of suspense to it mm-hmm. where I feel like the final boss music, it's really, the climax of the entire game right so there is a little bit more this feeling of release and drama as opposed to the final level for example we opened with death egg zone from sonic 2 and this track was definitely all about building up that suspense it's much more dissonant track it's so much more dissonant and kind of avant-garde than anything in the entire sonic series and once again that was composed by masato nakamura and that's a track where Normally, I never would hear more than the first few seconds because as soon as the mechanical sonic comes down, it switches to the boss music. Right. Uh, But I never noticed when I was a kid how there's that kind of like happy major like trumpet militaristic melody on top of the really to dark me, chords. it always sounds kind of like crazy. celtic or like an old um ah, like drinking song yeah da, 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 you're da, right about da, that da, 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 but just the combination the juxtaposition right. of that on i top think of it totally chords. fits with like my image of dr robotnik this kind of evil there's a lot mm-hmm. of elements of like technology and classic villain but that there is this kind of like big lumbering yeah. oaf quality so once again that was the final stage in Sonic 2 so every track we're going to be playing today is from a final level or final stage in a video game so let's keep the ball rolling here the first thing we're going to play here is we're going to play a track from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES now there are so many games in this series uh Will, was this the first Ninja Turtles game to come out, or did it first come out for the arcade? Do you remember? Well, there was an arcade game first, but this game was exclusively for the NES. It wasn't a port of the arcade game or anything. This was Mm -hmm. the first uh, um, game on a home console. There might have been one on, like... There's, I think this game also came out on the Commodore 64, so okay. maybe the Commodore's release was before the NES, but cool. definitely around the same time. This was the first Turtles game that you could play on a home console. Cool. Well, we're going to play, again, a track from the NES Ninja Turtles, and this was composed by Jun Funahashi. We're going to play the final stage. Here we go.
guys are listening to the final stage from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES, composed by Jun Funahashi. Now, this is going to be something you guys are going to hear a lot today. You notice how dark and demonic this music is, especially in the context of Ninja Turtles? It's way more kind of devious than any previous track in the soundtrack. That's something you guys are going to hear a lot today, where these final levels, uh, you know, they're really trying to convey the sense of, like, this is it. This is going to be really challenging, really epic. This is really the climax of the gameplay until, you know, you get to the well, final boss. I feel like boss. there's a lot of suspension. Like, this isn't a very active piece of music, the way that mm-hmm. I think, you know, final boss music or even, you know, a lot of regular stage themes are. There's a lot of action to it, but I feel yeah, like the you're, final Yeah, there's a lot level, of space here. You're right. There's a lot of suspense to it, you know. It's like the calm before the storm, so to speak. Yeah, no, and that's also another thing. It's another technique that a lot of composers use But I think, like, every stages. game is different, you know. Sometimes right. I think pieces are more climactic More for rocking. The final level. Yeah, it really and depends on yeah, the level. Yeah, I think other pieces build up suspense. It really depends on how the game works because you know, some games, you know, the final level is actually more simple before you get to the boss and some games the final level is this crazy marathon well, And there's also round. some games I can think of where the final level is really supposed to empower the player because the mm-hmm. whole time you've been leveling up your weapons and you've been getting better. So when you get to the right. final level, sometimes it can have the potential to really make you feel like a badass. Right. And there's some like tracks like that later. Symphony of the Night would be an example. Mm. That mm-hmm. absolutely so, and guys, there's really this was a it was a topic that it was kind of easy. We knew that okay, obviously we're going to be able to have a good playlist because like almost every game could fit in this playlist. But because of that, you know, obviously there's going to be things that we didn't include today. So you know, if you have a particular final level song you love, feel free to shoot us a comment uh, on Facebook or Twitter. But yeah, uh, we're gonna keep going here. So the next track we're gonna play. Is kind of a cool pick. This is Mario Kart Super Circuit, and we're going to play Rainbow Road, obviously the final level in most every Mario Kart game. And this soundtrack um, had its own unique Rainbow Road song. Uh, you know, a lot of Mario Kart games um, feature some sort of variation on the N64 theme. Or even the or original, the original. Uh, SNES. This is a brand new piece composed by Kenichi Nishimaki. This came out for the Game Boy Advance. Once again, we're going to play Rainbow Road from Super Circuit. classic rock sound here very american sounding this is rainbow road from the gba game mario kart super circuit composed by kenichi nishimaki i think this is a really good piece of music i've always been a fan of it uh one thing i will say though is i don't necessarily think this fits rainbow road that well it sounds like it would be maybe a decent credits piece but i don't know for me this doesn't inherently feel like rainbow road what do you think do you disagree I think it's hard to say. I mean, I feel like the function of music in Mario Kart games, at least to me, is less about the setting and more about, like, the gameplay. Well, I think, uh, at least coming from the N64, which was I think of, like, Rainbow Road Prime in a lot of ways, is it's so beautiful. It's such a, it's such a really pleasing, pretty melody, but it also feels rousing and exciting. Whereas this one, right. it just feels well, a little bit rousing. I guess I feel like for the GBA depiction of Rainbow Road, I think this is accurate because mm. it's more like the Super Nintendo one, but I agree this does kind of sound like a credits theme it's very fun um which i think it's fun to play a mario kart track because it's a different idea of what a final level is sure something i think is cool though um uh, this track actually does start off the opening few measures are uh an allusion to the snes oh Rainbow you're right theme. Mm-hmm. which is used in like Probably Absolutely. most versions of the Rainbow Road music. No, very good observation, Will. So now let's move on to the Sega Genesis, shall we? And we're going to play a track from the game, one of my favorite soundtracks for the Genesis, kind of a unknown game for me until a couple years ago when we played 
um, one of our favorite themes from our first, I remember, Greatest Hits 2013. This is Alicia Dragoon, composed by Nobuyuki Aoshima and Mamaro Ishimoda. We're going to play Stage 8, which, you guessed it, is the final stage in this game. Let's take a listen. big fan of that track you guys are listening to stage eight from alicia dragoon composed by nobuyuki Ishima and mamaro ishimoda this actually reminds me of some of our super mercado brothers uh collaborative music that me and will compose as far as like it has a really pretty melody on top of something that is really groovy and rocking well, especially the more recent project that we're working yeah, on that absolutely um, we're that- utilizing a lot of uh FM mm-hmm. kind of Genesis style. Just a combination sounds. of like kind of some mystery and some suspense, but also just it's groovy and fun to listen to. Right. Kinda One thing classic video game style, I'd say. Yeah. I'm a really big fan of the instrument choices on this soundtrack. You know, some of the brasses with delay mixed with right, the more biting too. sounds. Just really pleasing FM music. Uh, Alicia Dragoon is really one of the most colorful totally. Genesis soundtracks I can think of. In general, one of the things I want to do today with the playlist is, you know, wanted to play mostly tracks that we've never played before. So I tried to find, in some cases, some obscure games we've never touched on or games that we've touched on, but tracks we've never played. Uh, there's a couple things that we may have uh, played previously, but in general, kind of a nice excuse yeah, to, I think this is to try to find new to stuff. kind of a nice little fun, more active episode. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we're going to get a lot of just kind of... Uh, standard sounding video game themes oh, yeah. here. Absolutely. Well, now, guys, we're going to move on to a cool choice. This is Chippendale Rescue Rangers for the NES, composed by Hiromi Fujita. Now, Will, do you know anything? Uh, have you ever played this game, or do you, are you familiar with this? I'm familiar with it. I'm not as super familiar with the soundtrack, though. Awesome. Well, let's take a listen to Stage J. Uh, yeah, J. So the way that they do the stages in this game is, is letters, and this is the last stage. So we'll take a listen to Stage J from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Will said this is very typical sounding video game music. It's really fun. Uh, kind of Mega Man inspired in my opinion. This oh, is totally. um, from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. You guys are listening to Stage J <laughs> composed by Harumi Fujita. Will, what are your thoughts on in my opinion uh, the pretty basic kind of instrument implementation as far as uh, the NES channels go? Well, it almost sounds intentional because I think the impression is that when things sound really plucky and simple, that that's like the easiest thing to do. But Mm. I actually find that to be some of the more difficult stuff to implement because uh, really um, what's much easier to just have long sustained, you know, chord tones, which Mm. we would get more of our, you know, sounding like guitars or sounding like lead synths. Yeah, this Um, part is so Mega Man inspired, isn't it? 
Oh, totally. Yeah, those harmonized mm-hmm. pairs. Um, but I feel like I really like that little, yeah. you know. I, I think it's really well done. It very much reminds me of Mega Man, just because you have the limited sort of part writing and the play between the melody and the counter melody in a way to give you this kind of really satisfying rhythmic syncopation. Absolutely. No, but you're right. Yeah, it's so very true. kind of classic. Uh, video yeah, music, and it's, which is it's not think, surprising. This, yeah, this episode is going to be fun. This composer, Harumi Fujita, is a Capcom composer. This is, I believe, a Capcom game. So, you know, it definitely follows that tradition of Capcom music for the NES. And we have a lot of NES tracks I also today. feel like a, a big Capcom tradition is melodies that um, are very vocal-like. You know, okay. it, we we always talk about um, some things that make a melody really good. But that one in particular, da, 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 those, mm. that use of, like, dotted rhythm. Rhythms are so strong Displacement, yeah, with a vocal melody melody where mm-hmm. it almost it's lyrical you know it sounds like it was written around text it sounds like it was written and to I be gotta like say, sung it's very natural those early capcom composers were really pushing the boundaries of interesting rhythms you know takashi tateshi comes to mind right. as someone that was really coming up with bold rhythms but i that feel wasn't like they're very before. pure at the same time you know they may not be just like simple quarter note melodies but they're also not like abstract no they, no, it's no, like, no you it's can like sing bringing them. that pop music quality where right. it's like when we hear a melody be sung by a voice we're willing to like accept more strangeness or uniqueness in the rhythms while what ends up happening typically with vocal melodies is they're actually more simple tone wise so that's why I think when you bring that philosophy to a video game melody where it still may be intricate and have this cool series of pitches Mm -hmm. but it also combines this like vocal like um, rhythmic quality I think it's that's maybe something that makes video game music very unique. It's almost like you're the right. best of instrumental and vocal melodies. I think you're totally right. Yeah. So now, guys, we're going to move on to the Nintendo 64, and we're going to play a track from GoldenEye 007. Ooh. This is a collaborative soundtrack by Grant Kirkhope and Graham Norgate. Oh, I love this level. Oh, my gosh. This is the final level in uh, Grant Kirkhope actually composed this one. This is Cradle from GoldenEye 007. Let's take a listen to this classic track. of music. You guys are listening to Cradle from GoldenEye 007 for the N64 composed by Grant Kirkhope and obviously you have a little bit of the Monty Norman theme. It's so effective how he waits so long to introduce that chord progression. When it comes in, it's a powerful moment and I have a strong memory of feeling that same thing when I was playing the level and when that finally comes in. This is an example I was talking about. This feels very empowering. When that happens to you, it feels like you're a badass. Right. And just the the way that he brings that in and still having the The music in this game is so cinematic. I think it really is I think both Kirkhope and Norgate do a wonderful job of capturing that kind of like low budget B yeah. film and television, you know, sound. What you guys are quality. hearing here is the Cradle X version. So every level has its own X version, which is kind of ramping up musically. Right. But that piano riff is is an all star, I think. It's such right. a great riff. And that's what really makes me feel like eighties, nineties yeah, kind of cheap film score. And where it's, it's just kind of very overt. It's um, pretty obvious here, um, 
Grant Kirkhope came from, you know, played in a lot of rock bands because right. his authentic use of rock is it's not cheesy. I think there's so many video game soundtracks in this era that are trying to rock that it's just it's something you just want to throw away. Whereas this, it holds up now. I mean, yeah, the instruments are crappy, but it, it really rocks in a good well, way. I think it's a good use of score. This is one of the most cinematic levels in the game um, because you don't really, your only objective is to kill Trevelyan, kill 006, and it's this cool kind of chase, and especially for the N64, you know, there's dialogue going back and forth. It's a very cinematic moment that I think does a good job of kind of capturing the finale of the film, Mm -hmm. and I totally agree with you, like, the moment that we get that 007 thing coming in. And honestly, my favorite thing about this piece in particular is how well the tempo of it is synced up to your Yeah, the running. Because this starts off, you're running on this big kind of corridor such bridge, a great level and it's the exact tempo of your movement and also somehow that triangle thing is just so catchy ding it ding it ding ding it yeah. triangle it just is, feels so it's almost the most James important Bond. instrument in the soundtrack yeah love it all right we're now going to move on to the sega genesis again we're going to play a track from sonic the hedgehog 3 uh this obviously had an incredible slew of composers so many composers on this one including uh the late great michael jackson this is sega sound team we're gonna play the absolute last level in the game this is launch base zone act two which we've never played on the podcast we've played act one so this is yeah the final level in the game before you fight the final robotnik let's take a listen to launch base zone act two so classic yeah i had the same feeling will did especially just listening to this now it's so mj inspired right. it's just ridiculous that bass line well, is so could, simple but this catchy. might even be one that uh was written by him i don't May think have been. we don't have you know there's no 100 percent legitimate confirmation on everything but those jazzy chords the the crazy jazzy chord stabs the right oh the way the baseline is so well, simple. Especially now that we know that Ice Cap Zone wasn't him, you know. And melodic, yeah. The thing about MJ's music is a lot of very kind of simple yet melodic baselines that right. are that you could like remember and hum just the well, baselines. Well, because he comes up with it just with his mouth. I know. You know. He just comes up with all the parts in his head. It's and then really this is the peak insane. of the vocal right. <laughs> I think go, my go, one go. issue go, go, go. with this game was I felt it was a bit anticlimactic. It felt like it Absolutely. was like at least one level too short. Well, that's launch because this zone, was never intended to be the final level. Yeah, launch base zone doesn't feel really like the final level, and I don't think the music is really Mm-mm. accentuating that sense Absolutely of finality not. either. So it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah, the way I that it was right. Yeah, it the way that it was, you know, finally packaged in Sonic Three, it definitely feels like a letdown. If anyone doesn't know, they were originally intending it to be one game that featured all the levels from both Knuckles and it probably and would be 3. a little bit fewer I think mm-hmm. they were probably just it would probably be a game that was just yeah, think, bigger than Sonic 3 but when they expanded into two games I'm sure they added some levels I think when the holiday of that year rolled around uh, you know Christmas was when they were uh, wanting to release it I think they had to obviously cut a lot of levels and just release Sonic 3 as is and then they probably had a little more time to finish a few more levels add a few more levels from Sonic and Knuckles. But then you had the really cool lock-on feature, which was really fun. Right. But it was kind of, in some ways, it was kind of just a gimmick to get people to buy more more games. Yeah. So now we're going to move on to um, a game called Tohu 7 for the PC. And this was composed by, and programmed, I believe, by Zun. And his real name is Junya Oda. We're going to play Ultimate Truth, which is the final stage from Toho 7. Let's take a listen.
You guys are listening to Ultimate Truth, the final stage theme from Toho 7. And once again, this was composed by Zun. His real name is Junya Oda for the PC. What do you think about the rhythms of that piano riff? It's kind of the over-the-bar, really interesting rhythms with the shredding drum beat. I think it's, uh, again, it's like a lot of my favorite Japanese video game music where if you take away context and some of the um, aesthetic or rhythmic um, things about it, it's just really beautiful. It's it very sure is. kind of, you know, that tugging on your heartstrings, um, very emotional, dramatic sensibilities that yeah. I, I think just it makes the listener very vulnerable. But what I love about it in the context of video game music is often there's a lot of fun. You know, it's coupled mm. with these really fun, exciting rock And again, we have to remember a little bit of the context. This is the final stage, the final level. And this really rocks and shreds, but it's beautiful. But I, yeah, I think the combination of that energy, it's like... It's a little sad, well, but it's empowering. I, I think it's like it's empowering, and it, but it gives you purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just kind of a, a blind. There's rock something about group. just listening to this music. It, it kind of feels like you know the end is near, and it's sad that the end is near because you're probably having a great time. Yeah, it's very yeah. beautiful, very dramatic. I, well, I kind of I like the approach of making the final level into this very kind of emotional and important um, point in the game musically because I feel that uh, oftentimes a lot of game composers will use that opportunity to just kind of drown you in this kind of bland rock and roll or it's not the bland case here. kind of overly intense Well, this music. guy, this guy Zun, I'm a big fan of his compositions because he started on the PC-98. I played a lot of his stuff on the PC-98 and he eventually, you know, went onto the PC and stuff. So, so that's a cool track. We're now going to move on to an FDS game. This is called uh, Fat Falzion or Falzion, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, F-A-L-S-I-O-N for the FDS. And this was composed by Shinya Sakamoto and Shagahiro Takaguchi. Have you ever heard of this game, Will? I have not. Well, we're going to take a listen to Level 6 BGM, which is, of course, the final level in Falzion. Let's take a listen. this part here very very nice chord progression you guys are listening to level 6 bgm from falzion for the fds man that extra channel really does a lot in this track oh my gosh this is really beautiful stuff here again it's rocking it's empowering but it's very soaring and beautiful melody here this is composed by shinya sakamoto and shagahiro takanochi Oh, this is so kind of 80s video game music. Oh, you know, it reminds me of like Double Dragon and Ninja Gaiden. Mm. Um, I can hear that. A lot of those kind of games. Even a little bit of like Contra. I really like it though. What, what are your thoughts on the that one section where it has that really kind of nice classical chord progression? Yeah, I mean, I was a fan all the way through. Again, I feel like this is the type of music it's quintessential background music so it's really it's almost hard for me to kind of engage on that musical level with it especially and i think that's a compliment i think it's 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 so elegantly composed and Mm -hmm. you know it's hitting all the marks and it's never really like getting your attention and i think that's the point of it yeah and it's also very simple it's meant to kind of Mm -hmm. get under your bloodstream i think yeah right yeah and that's why it's not complicated it's more you know riff based and less around these like complicated intricate melodies mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of patterns that you can kind of just engage in on a more subconscious level but mm-hmm. it's very driving it's very exciting and it really um works to kind of you know get your blood pumping and as any final level enhance should. your performance also, of the game it's fun we got to do that because we've never played a track from falzion before so i always like to you know feature new discoveries as much so as you I can possibly stop writing can. in you can stop complaining all about people, falzion all the hundreds of people that wanted to hear that just kidding so now we're going to move on to the ds and we had to play at least one track from the castlevania series so let's play a track from i don't think we've ever played something from this game this is castlevania order of 
Ecclesia. Is that how you pronounce it? E-C-C, Ecclesia, something like that. Uh, for the DS, uh, pretty nice soundtrack. And this is the final level. It's a little bit confusing in these Castlevania games to know what is the final stage. But I was, I was watching a, a playthrough, a walkthrough of it. And this was the music that was played in the final stage. Is this stage. the Castlevania where, like... Um, Dracula arises from like a pagoda in Japan or something. I have no idea. But anyway, we're going to play a track called The Colossus from Order of Ecclesia. Here we go. those modulations there very fitting for a final level this game was composed by Michiru Yamani and Yashihiro Ichihashi of course this is Castlevania Order of Ecclesia and this track is the Colossus which uh, I'm pretty sure is the final stage theme in this game for the DS I love those modulations uh, they feel very much like you know Danny Elfman John Williams they honestly mm. remind me of the Wing Commander 3 theme oh nice um, I can hear that one of my favorites yeah, no, this is a good track. There's not a lot we need to say about it. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, so it's now, just so Castlevania. Absolutely. You know. It's just, uh, you know, in the pocket. So now we're going to move on to Outrunners, one of the grooviest soundtracks that I've probably discovered in this podcast history. I'm a really big fan of this game. It's originally an arcade Sega racing game. It was ported to the Genesis, but I actually kind of prefer the arcade version of the soundtrack. We're going to play a track we have yet to play. This is Final Stage, composed by Takayuki Nakamura. Here we go. Something's freaking out here. You guys are listening to the final stage from Outrunners for the arcade, composed by Takayuki Nakamura. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely just classic 90s rave pop. It kind of reminds me of What is Love. I can just see Will Ferrell bobbing his head side to side to this track. This is, um, I don't know, it's all groove-based. I don't even know if there's any melody at all to this. It's just the groove. It actually reminds me of the music to Wii Sports a little bit. Really? Remember, like, the music that plays um, when you're, like... I forget what it is. It's like when you're selecting how many Whoa. sets to hear play. This? Right. But like how many sets That's you're surprising. playing play. There is that kind of... It's such a 90s rave right. rhythm there. It's almost like as iconic as any sort of kind of cliche musical staple of a genre as far as like you know when you think about those those latin montuna rhythms that's almost as classic for 90s rave pop as anything you know well i think again, or like it a goes scott into that upbeat. kind of um across the bar type of chord rhythms. yeah it's i mean it's interesting every musical genre has a couple things that are just so absolutely well that's uh, what's fun iconic. about it that's how um people are able to establish styles and genres yeah, and also for some reason that kind of things. uh synth sounding piano was so popular in that decade for that kind of pop music so now guys we're going to move on to god of war 2 
for the PS2. This was composed by Gerard Marino. That's a composer that I'm not that familiar with. I know he's very well known for the God of War series, but I should look into him as far as like what other stuff he did because I'm a really big fan of the God of War music. We're going to play a track, like I said, from God of War 2, and this is the final stage in this game. It's called The Loom Chamber. Let's take a listen to this track. It's pretty intense. listening to the loom chamber from god of war 2 this is a really nice track and this soundtrack was composed by gerard marino and i remember in it was either a final boss episode or some other episode i kind of came to the conclusion that the god of war series has some of the most modern epic music i have ever heard it's so intense you got the full choir full orchestra this guy has really great chops and Mm -hmm. he just has a good feel for um score and kind of how to um emotionally support a moment of gameplay Mm -hmm. with music i mean i'm just so impressed by this it's really great and as far as his composing chops like I, I mean i don't again i'm not familiar enough but i imagine he has some experience in film and tv because it just think so? really is impressive but you know i'm not that familiar with him so it's like I, there's no way i could imagine he would do a, a film that would be equivalent to the scope of god of war mm-hmm. so i mean yeah i mean i'm just so impressed with this i, mean, I can't think track. of a lot of modern day filmmakers that would be required to do something that epic in a film you yeah. know it might be a little bit overdone unless the unless the scene or the mm-hmm. the moment in the movie is like that powerful and that you know would require something of this nature yeah most of the tracks on today's playlist are retro tracks we have a lot of nes a lot of 16-bit stuff uh but the modern tracks we do have are absolutely outstanding and this is i think one no of my exception. favorite little things about this uh i love the little rhythmic melody yeah bum Bum, and then bum, when it gets bum. doubled up the octave with the violin, yeah, ones. it's really oh. wonderful. It's a um, it's a really creepy melody. That, that haunting, almost polytonal section mm-hmm. where you have well, the voice. What I love is is he's using rhythm to make it even creepier. The dun 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 dun. It feels like it's not quite on the grid in right. a good way, and it's just like you don't even know what to expect, and it just it's on edge, you know. Totally, it's really effective. So now, guys, I'm excited for this. We're gonna move on to a really obscure game for the Turbo Graphics 16 called Air Zonk. And we're going to play Stage 5-3, and this is an unknown composer for the TG-16. I and really like this This is track. orchestral, right? <laughs> it is orchestral. No, I'm just kidding. Let's take a listen. This is cool. cool track it has a nice latin influence combination of video game music you know latin is so common in the 16-bit era this is a cool soundtrack it's very very obscure there's an unknown composer for this one of course this is the tg16 like i said it was developed by red entertainment so probably someone who worked at red entertainment came out in 1992 
that's really all the information we have on this game. But what are your thoughts on this track, Will? I think it's very playful and fun. Yeah, I like the contours of um, uh, the melody, I guess. Uh, very interesting. I'm not... Again, I don't listen to a whole lot of turbo graphics music, so I always right. feel like it's a little bit of a breath of fresh air to it kind really of hear is. a different console's uh, audio hardware to play a track. And the it's thing nice. I do like about turbo graphics—it sounds good. I think it is that kind of um, just compositionally. Sometimes it almost feels like that little in-between period of like the NES and the Genesis. SNES. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. Where, I see what you're saying. You know, it, it's kind of obviously it's 16-bit music. But I feel like the music itself feels more like stuff NES. that you'd hear on the Commodore, the, mm -hmm. um, the NES, as opposed to like some of the crazy rock stuff that was happening on the Genesis or, you know, the full-out orchestral stuff that you'd get on the Super Nintendo. I think you're right about that. Well, this is cool. We're now we're going to move on. The next track we have on the playlist is from Mega Man 6, the final NES entry in this series and this one was composed by Yuko Takahara and we're going to play you guessed it Dr. Wily's stage from Mega Man 6 and in a lot of ways this is kind of a variation of the classic uh, Dr. Wily from Mega Man 2 composed by Takashi and, Teishi. I mean if we were playing that that would definitely be track of the week. Absolutely but we've played it you know not too long ago in our Mega Man episode so yeah this is in some ways the spiritual successor some melodic kind of callbacks to that theme but this is a really pretty track Dr. Wily from Mega Man 6. are listening to Dr. Wily's stage theme from Mega Man 6 composed by the very talented Yuko Takahara. And yeah, there's just a couple little moments where I feel like um, this composer is calling back to the Mega Man 2 Dr. Wily theme and it's hard not to, you know, that really is kind of the theme right. as far as Dr. Wily goes. But Unfortunately, this is, it just this makes good. every other piece in the series just pale. Yeah, but let's it. try to ignore that for a second and think about the really kind of interesting different sections, like that section you're hearing there, really surprising chord changes, kind of evoking a Dorian mode. Right. Just a lot, it goes in a lot of exciting directions. I actually think Mega Man 6 has a lot of strong music in it. You know, this actually reminds me of kind of some of the stuff in like uh, Rockman and Forte a little bit. Just really? This kind of groove. It's not that straightforward um, kind of rock that I've... Uh, really associate with like Mega Man 2 right. and you're right that kind of more uplifting Dorian modal section um, yeah it it's really fun Mega Man music I, I think that's what I like so much about the NES games is like visually and style wise uh, it's one of the most consistent series where oh every gosh. game uses the same <laughs> graphics and format same engine but musically uh, they really kind of change it up especially towards the end you know Mega Man 6 came out so late you know oh this was gosh. only a, a couple years before the N64. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Yeah, no, but in Japan, I mean, it was still selling very well. And right. Maybe in North America, too. Mega Man 6, I'm sure it sold pretty a well. A lot of people, NES. I think, probably in America weren't as familiar with this game. You think so? Um, just because the Super Nintendo had already been out for, like, a number of years. And there were very successful games in the series on that. Right. I think we'll get to Mega one Man of those. X had already come out. We're going to get to one of the SNES Mega Mans later. So now, guys, let's move on to Star Fox Assault for the GameCube. We're going to play the final mission theme from this game. Uh, the name of this track is Aperoid Tunnel. And once again, this track was composed by Yashinori Kawamoto. We featured a really good track. There's a couple composers. He, he also worked with another composer. We featured a great track, uh, a couple nice ones from our Star Fox episode. Right. Star Fox There's Salt, one really called nice uh, Aperoid City, which is the on-foot section of nice. this final level, which is also one nice. of my favorites. Well, this is Aperoid Tunnel from Assault.
That is a final stage theme if I've ever heard it before. You guys are listening to Aperoid Tunnel from Star Fox Assault. This track is composed by Yashinori Kawamoto. Now, Will, this is an original piece that was never used in a previous game. Is that correct? Yep, that's true. Oh my gosh, so good. Uh, you know, I have kind of an interesting uh, experience when I listen to this because hmm. the final stage of the game is so incredibly difficult. At oh, least really? it was for me as a kid. I don't think this I ever beat this game. I would, I would die on again and again and again and have to keep playing. Um, and so it's kind of, uh, <laughs> I just have the memories of going <laughs> through that tunnel and there's a lot of kind of memorization that you have to go through. Mm -hmm. um, but something that I think is really effective in hindsight and something that always kind of struck me is that in the Star Fox games, you know, you're going forward three-dimensionally. Mm -hmm. So any of the movement that really happens on the screen is kind of moving uh, laterally on the horizontal and vertical axes of moving the ship. Sure. But as far as the motion of the R-Wing, it's on rail and you really aren't controlling it. And something that I notice about this track, which makes it, you know, this could almost only exist in a game like Star Fox, how slow the tempo is. Bump, bump, bump. Bump, bump. Mm. For a final level theme, I mean, most of the things we've been hearing are boom, da 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 like really kind You're of right. fast things. But this is just so kind of slow because when you think of the speed of that R wing, it really doesn't go forward well, that fast. And so I really think this captures the feeling of not just sort of a final level because I think musically it does that, but I really think the rhythms and the it's a combination capture though, that sensation because the that slow, but. I think the diddle -diddle 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 -diddle, that's pretty right. fast too. But you know? I, so it's I think not it's more slow. about like the tempo. You know, I, those elements are what kind of musically give it that sense of finality. And it's still a very busy and piece of music. Mm -hmm. But the tempo is very kind of a slow, grounded march because you know the spaceship doesn't really move that fast. And I mm. always think that's really effective when a composer is paying close attention to not just how the music affects the scenery, but how it scores the specific actions that well, the players opinion, are taking. Well, in my opinion, I think they put so much care into the music more care than anyone else put into this game this is a good game but really i feel like the music outdoes the gameplay the graphics the art everything i mean i, I just think the music is this game i love is it. absolutely amazing and yeah. i i did enjoy this game but there were definitely some some issues with it but definitely not with the music music is, is i was great. such a star fox fan as a kid you I were a fanboy enough absolutely yeah i would say as a kid you were obviously a metroid fanboy mario star fox those are kind of your big three i'd say oh definitely yeah i think zelda took me a little bit longer to get into because they're they're so hard i mean i always really admired zelda and i would start took you a long time zelda, to get into it i think you know i I just wasn't very good at them when I was younger. And then once, you know, I grew up and got a little bit smarter. Yeah, I mean, in general, those kind of adventure games, you wouldn't expect young kids to really well, be probably able took to me be to be about like it. 11 years old before mm -hmm. I could really get into that's pretty I'd say that's pretty standard for someone getting into Zelda, you know. So now, guys, we're going to play a track from the Genesis version of Sonic 3D Blast. This is the final level in this game composed by John Senway. I really like this track a lot. I think we've played out with this before uh, on the podcast. But, you know, this is a, I think this is a really strong, confident, empowering track that uh, it's definitely one of the best in the soundtrack. This soundtrack is a mixed bag. You have a few different composers. I think all of John Senoway's tracks are very, very good. Obviously, Green Grove is outstanding. Uh, kind of the last Genesis project he, he worked on before moving on to the Dreamcast. So anyway, let's take a listen to Panic Puppet Zone. <laughs> Is a strong track. You guys are listening to Panic Puppet Zone, composed by Jun Senaway from Sonic 3D Blast, the Genesis version. 
Saturn version had a completely different soundtrack, and Will had to remind me that this track was actually also used in the introduction cutscene to this game. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about maybe why they chose to include this track well, in the introduction? I almost, I'm a little bit under the impression it was written for that first. Really? Because it it so works. But it's um, so long, and there's all these different sections. But yeah, but that's the introduction. You know, you have all this text that you're reading, and by the time that ba da 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 da, that's the part when they introduce like Sonic and everything. I always felt mm. it really worked with that intro super well, and I think its purpose as a final stage theme is to be a little bit nostalgic and have that kind of full circle thing um, musically where this is a thing we heard from the beginning and the intro is really kind of setting up the scope of your quest and what you're doing and why you're playing the game really good use of repetition and that's just a really simple but solid riff it's in harmony this part feels so kind of classic 3D blast how he has that nice harmonized chromaticism it's a little bit kind of some kind of happier show tuny influence just for that section before it goes back to the more rocking constant right. music. I think it's really effective to have this theme sort of at the beginning and the end. You it know? sure is, yeah. And no, it's almost one of the symmetrical strongest because you know the first piece of music you hear is that little uh, intro cutscene before the game starts, yeah, like boom, the boom, title screen music. And then this is like when you start the game, where it's almost like if you think you know the final piece of music would be like the credits and like the boss theme, but then this is right before that, so. It, its place yeah. in the game is a little bit symmetrical. Yep. Now we're going to move on to, uh, I think we have played this track before in the podcast, but it's so darn good, so we have to include this today. This is from Gargoyle's Quest. This is composed by Yoko Shimomura. The final stage in this game is Brieger's Castle. This came out for the Game Boy. Let's take a listen to this wonderful track. <laughs> simple track. It's amazing in like 30 seconds or even less how much Yoko Shimomura can get, how much emotion she can pack into those few seconds. It's just absolutely uh, masterful. Yeah, this part Heavy here, I mean, just, influence. it's so like Bachian, but this part brilliant. is really badass. I can imagine one thing I love about Game Boy NES music is a lot of times there's not drums. You know, that's fairly common. This is very simple. Uh, I'm imagining the shredding and the metal drum beat in my head. And I think a lot of kids, when they were playing these games, they were imagining this music with a rock band or with an orchestra. And it's kind of this part of your imagination that I forgot about. I remember playing the Genesis, playing you know these early systems, and hearing music that I remember imagining itself sounding really lush in my head mm -hmm. and once you can imagine that it actually never goes away so every time i listen to this track and it gets the dun, 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 I'm, I'm just picturing the drums you know yeah it's kind of cool interesting. yeah i think there's some really good counterpoint throughout this whole soundtrack yoko shimamura is so good at that classical influence but that b yeah. section in particular i'm just so impressed with because it's such a simple um pure little nugget of music it's just so great it the only really other person like i can think of uh, that uses so much classical influence in such a natural way with like c sections or b sections is matsume you know when i think of a lot of her tracks just have like a b section that is like very very classical but then she goes back to rock um definitely they're kind of kindred spirits in that regard in some ways, I do see a lot of similarity compositionally between those two composers. Do you, do you see any of that? Yeah, I guess I could see that. Um, I feel like their strengths are sometimes in different areas. Like, I, I do feel in general, like... Uh, Who do you think is a better melody writer? I'd say it's hard. Um, I think in early years, I would say Yoko, Yoko. Shimomura, but I think... 
Um, Manami Matsume, to me, has had a little bit more of a consistent philosophy. She mm. kind of always tends to sound like herself, where Yoko well, Shimomura, I feel like, is more of sort of a chameleon. It's a little not, in some ways, it's not fair. Well, in, in every way, it's not fair to compare those two. But yeah, Yoko Shimomura has done so much more in yeah, so many Yoko different Shimomura, types of games. I, I feel like her strength is versatility. Yes, you know, she absolutely. has a very large tool belt. But Manami Matsume, I feel like, has this classic. Um, quality and she's this link to like an well, older one thing era i get when i hear manami matsume is uh when especially in that interview is i think she actually loves that kind of music she really enjoys that kind of classic video game music mm-hmm. with strong melodies where yoko shimamura in some ways i don't know if she necessarily really loves kind of like that street fighter classic sound i think right. she might be more of a fan of a little bit more kind of modern well stuff. she's she's a little bit younger too i think is the other thing um so maybe she was kind of she started off towards the end of that generation. That was like her induction period and where she really kind of um, maybe found her own voice was through working on games like Kingdom Hearts and things like that. So now we're going to move on. We're really excited, guys, because it's time for this week's track of the week. This is Super Mario Galaxy 2. This track is Bowser's Galaxy Generator. It's such a great piece of music that we've never played on the podcast. This was composed by Mahito Yakoda. Let's take a listen to this incredibly epic piece. gosh how he uses that same rhythmic ostinato but changes the chords so 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 effective this is one of my favorite tracks from the game this is bowser's galaxy generator from super mario galaxy 2 for the wii composed by mihito yakoda and man both of these games have such strong final level themes right bowser's it, galaxy it goes Reactor back to that thing one. we were talking about a little bit earlier but it's like it's very epic and intense, but I think the most striking thing about it it's is so how beautiful. kind of emotional and uh, important it makes it feel. And then it's there's very moments seminal like this moment in the where game. does this feel like a final level theme? There's moments where it comes down and it feels like it could fit in some of the earlier levels. It reminds you of the earlier music you've heard. It's really kind of, in some ways, this overture, even though it's not necessarily using other themes, it feels like it's an overture emotionally. Well, that's of everything the way you've um, these final levels are. You kind of get a taste of yes. each type of environment and that's and why the music mechanic. Fits so and it's well. also, you know, those more sparse moments ex- are accentuated by the more powerful moments. It, it makes it feel yeah, like a more dynamic piece because I mean, it has different sections. I gotta say, this track is an absolute knockout right away. That rhythm, bim bum 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 That's a really catchy, a very very classic. It video gets game your track. attention, you know. Oh, it's and it so builds memorable. up a lot of energy. Uh, I, I love how dynamic this piece is, you know. Easy choice this week for Track of the Week. That is killer. Oh, nice job, Mihito Yakoda. We're now going to move on to Mega Man 7, the next game in the series. This came out for the SNES. The game was composed by Yuko Takaharo and Tashihiko Horiyama. Now, as you guys know, Dr. Wily stages are usually the final stages in Mega Man games, but some of them have a lot of different stages. This is Dr. Wily 4, 
the very final Dr. Wily stage from Mega Man 7 for the SNES. Let's take a listen to this great track. It's a tearjerker for me. This is, I think, the strongest example of what we're talking about a lot today with it's something that rocks, it's empowering, but it's sad and beautiful. There's a tragic quality that it's almost like I don't want the adventure to be done. There's something about this melody that is just, it makes me very emotional. I think this is one of the strongest melodies in the entire game. It's a track that I've always loved. And when I was going back looking, I was so happy that, you know, because I was looking for the final stage. I was like, oh, let me see what the final stage in this game is. And it was like, this one? I love this track. I was so pleasantly surprised that this was the final Dr. Wily stage. It's beautiful. Yeah, I really liked this game. This is one of the um, Mega Man games I probably played uh, the most as a kid. Well, it's weird how this is not considered as good as Mega Man X, and I think the music is even better than Mega Man X. Yeah, I think... Uh, that's always, like, held up as, like, I think the people, game. Um, because Mega Man X is sort of advances uh, the mechanics of the series even further, brings it up to, like, the 16-bit age. It's, it's more difficult, but I think Mega Man 7... Um, the the camera is much more close than it is on any of the NES games, and it moves at a little bit of a slower pace, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, so people kind of, they yearned for the more old school style of right. Mega Man. Well, now guys are going to move on to Gradius 2. This is for the NES, and it was composed by Hidenori Miyazawa and Yuki Morimoto. We're going to play Stage 8, which is called Something Ghostly, the final stage from Gradius 2. What other series by Konami does this remind you of? We'll just leave you guys with that rhetorical question. We had such a great time today looking at final levels in video games. We featured a lot of classic stuff. We had a couple outstanding modern tracks, and in general, we had a great time kind of thinking about the context and the continuity of all this music, how these composers are evoking the, the kind of feeling of finality in these video games. Yeah, I think it's really fun to see the different instances of it. And it also kind of uh, lets you think a little bit about uh, the way some of your favorite games might end or kind of have their climax, because depending on what type of game, the endings are completely different. Right. You know, that's why I was glad we were able to look at, you know, Star Fox and we were able to look at Goldeneye. Yeah, that's so fun. Games that end in different ways, you know, because... I think it is true that some games, for instance, a lot of the Castlevania games, their final levels are just sort of this crazy endurance round <laughs> um, to build up to Dracula. But, you know, other games, like we played Sonic 2, that final level really only serves as kind of a vehicle for you to have the boss, boss fights. fights. Yeah. That's a good point, yeah. So the music needs to have a completely different function, you know, in those two examples, where one might need to be really rousing and kind of give you the strength you need to finish the journey, where another one might need to kind of put you in the right type of atmosphere for the final battle. Absolutely. Well, guys, again, we're having such a great time on this sixth season. We hope you stick with us. Once again, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Yeah, and guys, stick with us because next week we're really excited. We're going to have a spotlight on Sonic Lost world it's going to be our episode 149 and following that we're going to have the big 150 so we're closing out the season six so yeah if you're new thanks so much for joining us yeah episode 150 that's going to be our sesquicentennial episode and like i said before we're approaching rapidly our um 
uh, the mark of doing this podcast for three full years Crazy. in February. Yeah, and, and guys, we're going to play you out with a track from Gimmick. This is Sophia Take Two, wonderful Sunsoft NES soundtrack, one of my and favorites. Speaking of Sunsoft, remember uh, on our Sunsoft episode, we played music from that game Chameleon Twist on yes. our Sunsoft episode? I finally got a chance to play that game. Is that good? Um, <laughs> it's interesting. I feel like it, it's uh, untapped potential as far as the game mechanics, but Wonderful it's very music. weird. Very weird. I feel like the music annoys me when I'm playing the game yeah. because the game is frustrating and the music is having so much fun with yeah. itself. Well, guys, <laughs> we're going to play you out with this track from Gimmick and we'll talk to you next week. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great week. Peace out. Peace out.